with the author, R.J. Fox. Um, we've got your book, Love and Vodka, My Surreal Adventures in Ukraine, on the table. Um, we have John and Lori uh, Wilson Hi. and their daughter, Davy. Um, so w- welcome, everyone. Thank you. Thank you for having I'm, us. I'm Thank you. Very glad to be here, and uh, I'm glad to be a living writer and not a dead one because... Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't be here if that was the case. Yeah, it's nice to qualify for <laughs> yes. this one, isn't it? <laughs> I have a few years of that left. Well, you might be here, but you're not much to say, right? <laughs> well, that'd be for once, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, thanks for for coming, you guys. And um, this has been this this gathering of of a living writers group um, has been a long time in the making because we were the the book was published November 2015 Mm -hmm. so came out at the end of last year Mm -hmm. and we've been trying to put this show together since January Um, so thanks for bearing with me I had pneumonia I should also say a quick thanks to um, Tex and the Liz for um, doing the fundraiser for living writers they were they were amazing and many thanks today to reverend andrew for being behind the glass and engineering for us um you guys you brought the songs for today's program the first song was transmission uh by do you want to john tell us a little bit about why you chose that song as our lead song for the show today um well i don't know if people know joy division was a band from manchester um they were around just for uh, i think three or four years in the in the late 70s and that's the band that eventually became New Order, went on to global success after that. And I'm I'm from Manchester and was lucky to be around when when New Order was first starting off, the Smiths were starting, Stone Roses. So just up just lucky timing, got to, got to see all those bands and um In small venues too, John? Yeah. You might yeah. as well brag a little bit here, <laughs> just you guys. Yeah, I mean the Stone Roses are coming to, aren't they coming to Madison Square Garden? Yes. Yeah, just one date in the U.S. And that's all. Oh yeah. my gosh! Yeah, but we yeah uh, we saw them in the what the tiny little. It's just like a youth club almost. Yeah, right? really small place. Yeah, right. and then yeah. they got big soon after that, and they played Blackpool, Empress Gardens. That big, was good. Big Blackpool's a, a northern seaside town, so they, they they played a big venue there, and it went on to worldwide success, and then kind of imploded after the after the first album. So, um, so you grew up in Manchester, so in the northern right. city of Manchester, and right. and then Lori went. You traveled across the pond to yes. to were you were you studying there or what, what took you? To no, my mom got remarried and um, she married somebody from Scotland, um, but he was living in Manchester at the time, and so um, I went with her. I was supposedly taking a year off of school, college, and ended up staying. Yep and was there for five years, met John, and um, the rest is history. Because <laughs> then after five years, you guys returned to the, the States, or you, mm-hmm. and you moved to right, John. Right, right. Um, mm-hmm. And this is, this is sort of key. So we're talking about this a little bit because you guys are also working on a book project. Today we're going to talk about yeah, R.J. Fox's Love and Vodka, but you guys have Northern Souls in the right. works, sir. Right, we we've been working on this book called Northern Souls, and so we we've both grown up in the northern industrial cities of of our respective countries, and both really into music and and pop culture in general. So we had this idea to to write this book from certain time periods, late seventies to maybe early nineties, um, with with music and popular culture as the backdrop, and and then maybe alternating chapters. So so we had this idea for this book and. We had kind of a skeleton for it, but it never really got completely fleshed out. Then we came, we were friends with RJ on Facebook. Um, RJ 
he, he was the English teacher and video teacher at Huron High School when our son was there. So we, we knew him Davey's through brother. Facebook. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. indeed, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And Kyle, who's also now working in video, um, which is what, what his passion was in high school, and I actually was able to, um, I got hired in to rebuild the video program at Huron High School, and Kyle was a freshman my first year there, so we kind of started at Huron together, and he kind of became my right-hand man throughout the four years of his time there, and, um, you know, so it just was kind of this, you know, it's not the not be <laughs> moment type thing where all of this came together. Oh, it's lovely. Yeah, not, almost not surprising that this is how things right. clicked. Sure, yeah, I mean, I'm sorry he believes in fate, so I feel like everything was sort of lined up for this whole venture to happen. Because um, you guys, you thought of starting a, a press, Fish Out of Water yeah, Books, yeah. and uh, maybe R.J. Fox might be the, f- is the first book with mm-hmm. the press. Indeed, yes, yes, yeah. yeah. We we have another book in the pipeline that's a, another passion of mine is uh, soccer. Football, I should I'm call it. I'm so <laughs> glad I've been like restraining myself from <laughs> asking who your club is. Oh yeah, you Manchester don't even United. need to ask. Mine <laughs> <laughs> too, imprinted okay. 1999. Okay. Right. So not probably as early as you, but <laughs> that was the trouble year. Yeah. Yes, it yeah. was. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. There you go. Yeah. So, so they. That's what book. What what will this book be? This it's a book called Away from Home. So it's it's. Um, the guy with a similar story to mine. He's an English guy that moved over to Michigan in the mid-90s, and it's before the internet. Um, so being a United fanatic, moving thousands of miles away from home, there was absolutely no access to what was going on with the games. You couldn't see them. Um, we would get like press clippings sent over, but they were like three weeks old. So it's a complete detachment. And it's eventually find, kind of finding where do they show these games and, and these little clubs and far-flung locales and um, just these groups of hardcore Mm -hmm. people that meet and and find these games and and it's all the adventures connected around that in in this kind of pre-internet era and it actually goes from the mid-90s to the treble year and it ends with um, with the Barcelona the final against Bayern Munich in Barcelona so Mm -hmm. it's like yeah so he's he's finishing up the the first draft now I'm supposed to get it this week so I'm really Mm -hmm. eager to read it I've read some excerpts, and it's, it looks really, really good. Oh, so Fish Out of uh, Water Books is on its mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you've had, um, RJ, you've had lots of events surrounding yeah, um, it's, it's the, the book. It's been a great few months um, on top of my, my teaching load. You know, it's, you know, the whole great thing about this whole book venture is that it hasn't felt like work, even though it's been a lot of hours and time away from home and, and so on. Um, but we've done lots of bookstore engagements. We have several more coming down the pipeline. Um, including April 21st at Bookbound here oh, in town. Oh, great. Um, but we launched our book at Literati, and um, that was kind of our vision when we first decided, you know, we're going to have this when, with this book coming out. Um, we thought packed hey, house. Literati would be great. It was before they had even opened their doors. They had just a sign in their window announcing <laughs> their arrival. So we're like, hey, that would be a great place to launch the book. Mm-hmm. And it just worked out that they were on board with it, and um, it was just a great event, packed house. Um, and they've just been a great, great uh, business to work with. Um, and then we did Nicola's. And that event went really well, and we've done a few other shops around, you know, much of Detroit and beyond. Um, and we're just hoping to keep, you know, pushing through Michigan and beyond Michigan. That's, you know, our ultimate goal. And, and you've uh, got, like, a, 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 a kind of interesting tradition that you do at these, these um, like, if people get wind of one of your um, your your <laughs> book events, what can they expect? Well, um, you know, one of the, well, basically what it is, the book's called Love and Vodka. So, you, you know, we bring the love, um, and then we also bring the vodka. Um, and usually we end our events with a toast for everybody who's over 21 to uh, partake. Um, so that's kind of become our trademark. Um, 
and actually it was surprising to me that even that bookstores would even allow vodka to be brought in so you know um to be so really yeah. accommodate yeah, yeah the only times we haven't done that would be our morning readings um <laughs> or when we felt like the Why? you know <laughs> right. The very wow. elderly book owner wouldn't exactly want to, or shop owner wouldn't necessarily be one to have vodka in her shop. So we kind of just didn't even bother asking a couple. Oh my but gosh, <laughs> but they never judge a book by That's its cover, true. RJ. Yeah. I'm sorry to, I should clarify, like I was the killjoy about not having the, the vodka shots here um, <laughs> at the station. Well, we, um, we can still do a toast. Yeah. We, we brought yeah, in my, my, blue and yellow reason, drinks. <laughs> here in high school, we didn't allow vodka, and for the event there, we did with students. I can't Ooh. imagine why they... <laughs> So, um, so yeah, and you know, in the, in the vodka, uh, in the title, is not suggestive of, like hard life partying. It's about the culture of Ukraine and um, just how much part of their everyday life, and especially when there's a guest and the the toasts that go with it. So, um, you know, and I'm I'm sort of a lightweight when it comes to drinking. So when you put that together with the amount that they kind of force force you to drink, um, it's sort of a bad combination. Um, <laughs> So, or a good one for comedy and sure, drama. Yeah, yeah, for book writing, I guess. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so, uh, tell us about how did this book start for you, RJ? Well, What's um, the... so I, okay, so going back to the year 2000, um, I had taken a trip out to LA. Actually, it, well, the fateful day was March 7th of 2000 when I went to Universal Studios. It was a cold, rainy day. Um, and I happened to um, ride the ET ride with this girl that I had kind of seen wandering around the park. She was by herself, I was by myself. So, you know, my. <laughs> brain started thinking oh fate this and that um there we go with the fate thing again exactly and um so we rode this ride together and just struck up a short conversation we spoke for like 20 minutes um and then she had to kind of go on her way and i had to go on my way well it turned out she was an exchange student um living in mississippi but from ukraine and i'm from metro detroit and uh was out in la for the screenwriting conference um so we became pen pals after that and just started kind of writing back and forth and then through our writing we fell in love and then i had the the harebrained idea to uh, go over to her country with an engagement ring in my pocket um, less than a year after we had met. Um, and of course, I didn't actually, it was a, just over a year after we had met. Um, nobody knew I was going there with a ring. I told my parents I was taking this trip, and I was 23 at the time, still living at home. Um, but I wasn't going to tell them I'm going to propose to this girl that I'd only been with 20 minutes. So, took the trip August 2001, um, came home just before 9 11, um, and immediately started writing the book as a screenplay. Um, like within a week or two after I came home, because um, I just had this amazing experience. I just I'm like I have to put this down. I writing was my passion, um, but the whole. But and you thought you chose screenplay because yeah, that's what you were at the, time, the mode you were used to working exactly, in. Exactly. Yep, I had written some screenplays. That was sort of my main dream. It still is my main dream is to to pursue film. Um, so, wrote the script. Um, found a producer a few years later who wanted to produce it. it was under option to him, but then. Um, he made me do a lot of changes that made the book, or it made it still a good story, but more fictionalized than what I wanted it to be. Then it took a for really, example the location. Yeah, was well, that's going when to it took a, a strange right? turn when he <laughs> said, "Oh, I have these Asian investors, so maybe we could set it in Asia." And I'm like, "Wait, what? No, I don't know Asia. The book's about Ukraine. It's like <laughs> Ukraine's this character in this book." Start researching some yeah, different so customs. Could, you know, right. Send me to Asia, and I could write like a you know a, a companion story. Right. Um, we always say love yeah. and sake. Right? Yeah. Love yeah. And sake. yeah. So, um, yeah. You so, could do a series. <laughs> you could. Although, right. There we go. Well, <laughs> no matter what country you're in, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought it would be a cool anthology series just to have like these storylines set in different countries at each season with a different setting, uh, but uh, getting off track. So, okay. Um, <laughs> back to love and yeah, vodka. Back to love right. and vodka. So, mm-hmm. so the um, option expired, and then I was kind of deflated because I'm like, oh, my dream was right there, and it disappeared. So um, I turned it into a book, started posting little pieces on Facebook, and then that's when... These guys, who I was Facebook friends with through Kyle, 
um, started coming to, or where they thought, hey, maybe we could publish your book. And I was like, okay, sure. And here we are today. We, we first saw an excerpt about going to the circus in Ukraine. With dog shot of cannons. Yeah. So that, that, that's that. what drew us in. That made me laugh. Yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah. And it, it comes quite late in the, the book. Right, on the return trip, actually, I believe. Yeah, that's, <laughs> the, the book covers two, two separate trips there. The, the initial trip, and then when I went back there to, to bring home my prize. <laughs> that sounds awful. To bring home my, the person who became my, my first wife. Who's the who's the character name in the book is, is Katya. Katya. Yes. Um, okay, and so and the 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 main character's name is your name, Bobby, yeah, in yes. the book, and yeah. then Katya's name is changed. I changed for... her name and her family's name just um, like just you know out of fairness to to the family. Not that there's anything too disparaging, but you know, had we still been together, I think the names would have stayed the same. But I felt like I should at least create fictional names despite the story being real well let's yeah let's talk more about that we're going to take a short break Great. now hear another one of the 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 song selections uh that you guys brought in today awesome. um today on living writers rj fox is here his book love and vodka my surreal adventures in ukraine um along with john and Lori wilson and davy we'll be right back i'm t hetzel and you've got living writers Welcome back. If you're just tuning in, I'm glad you did. Um, you've got Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel. And today, R.J. Fox is here after school. He got out of school and came. After a long day of PD meetings. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but today, we've got Love and Vodka on the table, My Surreal Adventures in Ukraine. Um, also, John and Lori Wilson are here um, with their daughter, Davy. Um, okay, so the, the music, we've had, a, yeah, we had yeah. some Bowie there. Yeah, well, we were originally scheduled to, um, for the show is just after his passing, right? And uh, yeah, that, that's really um, affected us in, in ways that we couldn't really have imagined um, just hearing that news in, in January. Um, and originally, we was going to pick Sound and Vision. Um, they had the recent tribute by Lord on, on the Brit Awards in England. Um, she did Life on Mars, so I thought, well, let's just go with that instead. That's, it's just one of those songs that I remember listening to it when I was little and and it's like it's almost like an Alice in Wonderland adventure the, the way the words just kind of drag you in and, and you're in this different world um, the line you know her mummy is yelling no and her, and her daddy has told her to go and, and then you just you just 
you're in this world and it just kind of takes you away from from where you are and sucks you in and um that was just that was just the magic of, of david bowie and uh i don't you know he's just one in a million and uh he'd be missed sorely yeah and it's lovely how um when you're talking about it uh, creating a story mm-hmm. within the, the scope of the the, the minutes the song right um, right has yeah um yeah, thanks for picking one of Bowie's songs. Sound and Vision, that was actually also, that's my favorite yeah. Bowie. Oh, is it really? <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, but I was, this, you can't go wrong, as you said. Yeah, with it. yeah, yeah. it's very <laughs> hard to pick a bad one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the three Berlin albums are just incredible. It just, I mean, the even now, but when they came out in the late 70s, obviously I was I was a little bit too young to to know about them when they first came out, but, but subsequently... You know, once got to know them in, in the early '80s, and just now they're just they're just lifelong partners. You know, are, are brilliant pieces of work. And it's fascinating how his death has opened the door for new people to discover his music. Um, you know, younger people. I mean, the sales went you know through the roof on, on you know even th- with Spotify and things like that of people checking out David Bowie. And I, I'm actually what somebody who always liked his music and liked his hits, but didn't really dive deep into the library. And actually, John um, gave me like a suggested sort of route to take to. to to dive deep and um, so it was in many ways his death is tragic as it is it, it is there's some positives there um, at least in the immediate of course he's always going to be around because um, with his music his yeah music the music will, yeah. will keep living on and then later in the program I think you guys have picked a Michigan song right by Iggy right. Um, <laughs> um, so that'll be and he was uh, Bowie was so instrumental in his career Absolutely. and giving him Absolutely. like some like the oomph in the marketplace right <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um Okay, well, let's see. Um, so, Love and Vodka, we've talked about um, how you, um, sort of the origin of the right. story and how, and started talking about um, how it's a, it's a memoir, but it's also, there's some elements that are, are they sort of amped up a little yeah, bit? Yeah, I would RJ, say or, in, or, in, yeah. in this genre, like, you know, like one of my influences is David Sedaris, who, you know, he writes true essays that clearly are, um, exaggerated and you know filled with hyperbole, but usually it's pretty obvious when that's there. And, and there, so there are times in the book where you could definitely say that that's definitely exaggerated. But the things that happened, um, and sometimes the most bizarre things that happened that are described in the book were the truest things. You know, <laughs> so so yeah, I, I always say that the book is probably about 90 percent true with ten percent you know creative license. And of course, dialogue has to be. You know, it's not like I'm walking around with a, a recorder the entire time I'm on this right. trip. So you know, it's recreating the moment, trying to be true to my memory of it combined with the emotion of it. Um, and, you know, not working as a journalist when I write this book, but as a writer who's trying to craft a story. Um, but I mentioned character names were changed. The timeline's cheated a little bit because there are trips I had taken um, a few years after the, the trips in this book and moments that I, that I just wanted to include that, you know, are in this timeline but didn't happen in the real timeline of events. So, so that's, you know, I'd say that's where, like, that, quote, fictional element might come from. But... Mm. But pretty much, you know, the, the events in this book happened to me and um, are written from my memory and how I perceived it, the experiences as they happened. So, it, yeah. it, what was it like? Because um, you had the screenplay version first, right. so heavy on dialogue, right, right, right. <laughs> obviously, yeah. right? Um, so, what was it like uh, transforming it from? Yeah, it was actually, you know, in many ways, it was a great experience because I already had a, a solid outline. A skeleton of the whole story written out in the screenplay form. In fact, an earlier draft of the script was much longer, but then it had to be tremendously cut to fit within this, uh, the constraints of a screenplay. Because screenplays are so much more restrictive in terms of having that 
yet it's so much more kind of paint by number. So I was able to kind of go back to the initial draft, which was the much longer, much more detailed one, um, and then just kind of go through and just flesh things out and add more detail and description. But I never felt I had to start from scratch with the book, um, which was great. Now the challenge was I hadn't written much prose, so I had to sort of, you know, teach myself how to be a prose writer as opposed to a screenwriter. So how did you do that? Um, you know, th I read several books on the craft of prose. Um, you know, and one of the great things is that dialogue was always one of my strong suits, which in screenwriting that's so crucial. So I had that going for me already. Um, and then another skill that a lot of writers um, struggle with is brevity and conciseness, which screenplays have to be. Mm -hmm. So I was able to translate that into prose. And my initial draft of the book form was very choppy and kind of, you know, almost too, you know, it made Hemingway look like he was long-winded, um, <laughs> you know, because he's so short and, and brief. So it was a matter of just trying to, like, find that middle ground between being too short and then too long. And then, you know, and working with, with John and Lori helped me get the book Help make help make help make the book. I can't speak for some reason. It, they, Have some ginger ale. Yeah, <laughs> they helped me get the book even to a point where um, it was beyond what it was when I brought it to them. You know, just adding some some details, some content, especially on the uh, research and um, adding some historical elements to the book to kind of paint the picture of Ukraine. Um, not that it's necessarily a historical book, but I wanted to make sure there's some of that infused into some of the scenes and locations that I went to. So. Um, so it was definitely multi steps, multiple steps to get to where it is now. But, um, but you know, the initial—if you looked at the initial draft of the screenplay and look at this—you um, know—it's pretty, pretty close to that initial draft. So it took a long journey to get there. <laughs> Another journey. Yes. Right? So that so by. I want to go back to a script, um, and you know, that's my ultimate goal: is that it returns to script form and gets produced someday. Because that's. That's, that's the end goal. That, that's our end that's goal. Well, right. well, and this is, well, this is this is its own artifact in the world, right? right? right. And sure. then it'll have another life. Yeah, exactly. On yeah, the and I'm very happy with right. it in this current incarnation. Um, so, so yeah, let's talk about the choice to go with a like a new press, a, a independent small press. Sure. Um, it sounds to me like one of the um, the gifts of that, or one of like the the bonuses. Uh, you're also working closely with two editors. Is that right? Because right. it sounds like that used to be in the old days. Yeah, like it's what really would been, happen for writers. Right. It's right? been a and dream relationship, just the collaboration aspect. Um, and the, you know, and the, because they, you know, it's a new company for them, and here I have this book. So we're both extremely motivated. I'm trying to, you know, get the book out there and get my name out there as a writer. These guys are trying to get their, their business out it there. Works perfectly for both of us. Yeah, yeah. it's a total so partnership. And, and the passion we're putting into it, and our back and forth, you know, the emails throughout the day, like, hey, let's try this, and here's an idea. And, um, you know, being on the same page and um, just the attention that they're able to give the book. Because, you know, you hear these stories about these big publishing houses that, yeah, they have all the muscle and might, but a small writer like me who's, who's starting out might get shoved to, off to the side because they're going to focus on their big guns. Um, so I feel like, uh, you know, I mean, a, a small press is definitely have limitations, but I feel like it's just I couldn't ask for a better first-time, you know, relationship on a, uh, with a publisher than what I've had with them. And, so. and you guys, so hearing that this is so this is part of this is your vision then isn't it to right. have this press right. and um what what do you how do you think it will like will it be your like the full-time thing that you're doing like is it yeah, something that question. you want to keep growing i guess that's <laughs> i shouldn't be i'm not trying to pry into your day-to-day i think we, we we don't want to look too far ahead in the future just kind of keep it open we have um as I say, we have the, the book on soccer coming up and a couple of other things possibly in the pipeline. But we'll, we'll just see how it goes. Um, 
the thing the thing we want to be really careful with and make sure is that every book that we accept that we're able to to devote as much time as we have done with Love and Vodka to, to really sink our teeth into it not just from the editing standpoint but from the promotion and mm-hmm. and pretty much any any author that we accept or any book we accept almost becoming like a partner with with that author right. so so that this this is kind of the model that, that we really like yeah. that it's like a 50 50 split on uh, you know across the board promotion and everything uh, right. that's we really enjoy that so hopefully we can continue along those same lines and the amazing thing is you know we had this long list of and it's still a long list of things we want to achieve since the book came out on november 11th and it's just so many things have you know we've been able to cross off so many of those items it's almost like well, this is all happening. Like, you know, huh. we had these visions and like, well, we're giving, you know, doing this and doing that um, in terms of the press, especially local here in town. You know, Ann Arbor's been such a great community to launch. It's been booking. incredible, yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and now we're starting to get, you know, more notice outside of the, the region and, you know, we're just going to keep pushing nationally, hopefully. I mean, it's like, ba- it really is baby steps, but as long as we keep having this grandiose vision in front of us, you know, we're just going to keep fighting, I guess, until... People keep saying no, or we keep. If we don't take no for an answer, we're very good at (laughs) knocking on doors and saying, "Wait, remember me? I knocked on your door last week." Not not actually going to their doors. That's that's our byline. Email. Don't take no for an answer. You know, and John's (laughs) like, "Follow up with that guy again." I'm like, "Okay, I will." And then, but (laughs) you know, usually the second, third, fourth time is a charm. (laughs) People are like, "All right, all right, we'll talk to you. Just leave us alone." It wasn't like that with with you guys. But no, it's really been it's just been fun. I mean, you know, I'm only looking at it from my experience and first time published. You know, being published as a published author here um but i really can't imagine a better working relationship with a publisher um and, and i think all all the time that we spend doing the book it's it's one of those activities where it's not like work it's right like time just it's one of those things where time just disappears and yeah. you, you get so into the zone doing it and, and then like you look at the clock and it's two or three right. hours later and, and you're like this that's the way it should be that's the way you want it to be yeah it's so. like we're lying in the gutter. Like, what just happened? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Why is that bottle of vodka empty? Who am I? <laughs> no, <laughs> they cover your ears. <laughs> um, so, John, she's you, heard it all. You come, you come from a background in publishing yes, in Ann Arbor. Yeah. So, yeah. is this? So, you're sort of bringing that expertise of that. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't like say expertise, the book, but like, um, <laughs> background. And, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I worked in. Well, I still do work in academic publishing. Um, so I've been doing that for for over twenty years. So it's um, similar and different, lots of different ways, you know. It's um, but this this is the fun part. I'm not not saying that my day job is not fun, but being able to bring that experience. But in a way, is that how you've been able to then create this new Just press? Because yeah. and and you have you're coming from a marketing background, Lori. Yeah. Right. So then, with your expertise on that end, mm-hmm. promotion. Yeah. Um, yeah, with John, with his experience at work, I mean, he knew who to contact and who to get in touch with, what to do, you know, just all the steps that maybe people wouldn't know. Like, people would ask questions like, well, so how do you print a book? I mean, what do you do? And it's like, well, you know, it's a long story, and you got to know the right people and all that stuff. So, um, and John really knew it all, so. There you go. Or, or, learn, or learn it all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. I think um, 
all, all the networking we're doing and, and the new friends that we're making along the way that's that's really exciting part yeah, of it just meeting sure. lots of meeting really great people going to different events just meeting people that you otherwise wouldn't meet such as your good self yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, oh go on exactly. <laughs> you guys let's take on that note let's take a short break <laughs> <laughs> um, you've got living writers I'm T. Hetzel today on the program um, RJ Fox is here his debut um, memoir uh, Love and Vodka, My Surreal Adventures in Ukraine. And John and Lori Wilson and Davey, um, we'll take a short break and we'll be right back. you Davey um you've got us here we've got love and vodka uh, my surreal adventures in Ukraine by RJ Fox um John and Lori Wilson from fish out of water books um and we've got Reverend Andrew behind the glass engineering for us um thanks for picking strawberry fields for us to uh, hear right and, uh, and well another sad day for music with the passing of George Martin who's uh, obviously um one of the most important people and influential people in in the history of modern music, I would say. Um, the, and there was a pick strawberry fields. That's one of my favourite Beatles songs. But just heard a, a story today about how the Beatles spent fifty five hours recording different versions of strawberry fields. Um, two versions that came to the fore. One one was a big orchestral version that George Martin had recorded. Then there was a stripped-down guitar version that John Lennon recorded. So Lennon liked both versions, said to George Martin, well, let's just put them together. Wow. George Martin <laughs> says, well, there's, there's just two things. that They're a different tempo and they're in a different key. And he said, well, George, <laughs> you can figure it out. You, yeah. you know, you, do, you can do magic. That sounds a lot like a working relationship. <laughs> yeah, yeah kind of, yeah. <laughs> so apparently he, they figured this out. There's, you know, this is way before digital recording. So it's literally get a pair of scissors, snip the tape, speed up one version, splice them together, and that's, 
that's how the end version of Strawberry came, Strawberry Fields came about. So and incredible Bob's your stuff. author. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> and in the meantime, John's pitching a show called Dead Musicians because it's all his selections. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. I'm sorry. John. So uplifting. Next will be Mozart. I know. <laughs> It makes me nervous to uh, even mention Nicky Park for the next one. I know, be quiet. Oh, right. Oh, shoot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we're going to s- segue into living musicians. And that's right. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> the rest. Yes. And, and stay there, right? Up yes. tempo. For a long <laughs> yeah. time. Yes. Um, so, well, we've been talking about your book. Do you mind reading? Sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, so, yeah, I'll read a piece from my, kind of my first taste of Ukraine when I get off the plane and approach the uh, security of, um, of Nipopetrovsk, which is the city that the story is set in. Um, I disembarked onto the tarmac at the Nipopetrovsk International Airport, which was roughly the size of the average small county airport in the U.S., and was greeted by the sight of a foreboding, single, small, gray, Soviet-era terminal. Inside the stuffy, dingy building, I followed the herd toward passport control. It was here where I learned my first lesson in Ukrainian cues, as in, they don't exist. The concept of forming a line was pretty much reduced to survival of the fittest free-for-all. Perhaps years of Soviet control is to blame for this. I was later told that I wouldn't survive in Ukraine if I had to live there, where the weak are truly eaten. I take this as both an insult and a compliment. After I allowed several people to push their way past me, frustration set in, and I started standing my ground by inching a step closer toward the customs booth. As I waited, two Ukrainian men in front of me argued with an official in Russian before being forcefully arrested. With my turn approaching, anxiety crept in. The grim-faced officials with their Soviet-looking olive-colored uniforms didn't help matters. As threatening as their stern demeanor appeared, I would soon discover that this expression was status quo for just about every Ukrainian when out in public. In private, it's a different story altogether. Warm and hospitable would would probably best describe it. After it felt like ages, it was finally my turn. As I approached the booth, I nervously dropped my passport, (coughs) clumsily picking it up off the dirty gray floor before handing it to the official, who hovered over me like a judge presiding over court. He proceeded to stare at it for what was at least a full minute, flipping through the pages. <clears throat> excuse me, shouldn't have had that chocolate before. I <laughs> <laughs> flipping through the pages, feeling the pages as though inspecting it for authenticity, and periodically looking up at me with complete and utter suspicion. This is how people disappear, never to be heard from again. I thought to myself, "Hold your composure. You have nothing to hide." But then again, neither did many of those jailed under Stalin. As a customs official continued thumbing through my passport. I suddenly grew paranoid that he was somehow reading my thoughts, therefore making me feel like I was doing something wrong, which in turn would give him reason to think I actually was. I was certain that I was about to become a victim of the thought police, and it didn't help that I had just recently finished reading 1984. He looked at me again. Yep, he's on to me, I thought, clutching onto the ring case in my pocket for comfort. And that's when he called over another official. They're closing in on me, just like the other guys who they arrested. The second official flipped through my passport, just as his cohort had, then stared at me, likely confirming the suspicions already placed upon me as he nodded to his comrade. In a stern official tone, he asked me something in Russian. I'm sorry, but I don't speak Russian, I said. He repeated himself in broken English. What is purpose to visiting Ukraine? I'm visiting a friend, I replied nervously, beginning to feel guilty for no rational reason. Tell me her name, or tell me your friend's name, he said sternly. I gave him Katya's name. As both officials proceeded to stare at me, sweat began to drip down my forehead. It felt as though they were trying to burn through me. The first official muttered something to me in either Russian or English, and I couldn't understand either way. Dumbfounded, I asked him to please repeat himself, so he did, and I still didn't understand, nor did I the third time. Frustrated, he finally reluctantly stamped my passport, handing it back to me in a manner that suggested disappointment for not being able to place me under arrest, before adding, Welcome to Ukraine. 
I'll stop there. <laughs> Thanks, RJ. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> That's. I feel like wow, that was some welcome. <laughs> yeah, that was my first taste, and it, you know, it, it stayed consistently. You know, sort of. It, it was always a juxtaposition of the whole public demeanor of people, the very sort of distrustful. You know, you're a foreigner. Um, approach to the hosp- hospitality inside the homes of the friends and family that we visited, and um, you know, and, and part of it was you know that Nipapetrovsk was a closed city during the Cold War. Um, it was the center of missile building during the Soviet Union, and basically all the weapons being made and directed towards us were being built in this town. It's a very industrial town. It's a lot like Detroit. There's a lot of parallels. Um, it's a population of about 1.5 million people, uh, so it's a it's one of the bigger cities um, in Ukraine and definitely in the former Soviet Union. But it just was a city that people weren't allowed in. Um, so there, there's this uh, general distrust. There's that Soviet distrust, but then this was a whole other level of it. Um, you know, any, anytime I, I got in trouble with my camera so many times, just taking a snapshot. I took a picture of a man's goat, and I almost, you know, got beat up just for that <laughs> act, simple action. So That's one of my um, favorite lines in the book. Yeah. You can't just yes. take a picture of another man's goat. Yeah, I learned <laughs> that that's very true. You can't, at least in that country. Um, so, you know, and it was always just, you know, and that's why, you know, I think about, like, you know, people always say, who would you cast to play you? And I think of all these oh. great actors who are great at playing awkward, kind of nerdy types. Um, you know, over the years, I thought of, like, Michael Cera. Um, Aziz Ansari lately has been on my mind because of his show Master of None on Netflix. Um, you know, just kind of these these characters that are great at reacting to just bizarre situations. Um, so I, I'm getting ahead of myself again with the whole movie thing. But, you know, the, <laughs> my, my main passion has always been movies, so it's always going to, you know, my whole life, it's like, oh, that would be a good movie or this should be made into a movie. And now I have a book that I say, oh yeah, that should be made into a movie. So, yeah, and, and you're, you've you gone to the tra- um, Traverse Film Festival? Traverse uh, City Film Festival? This summer we're going to be, or, um, oh, that's coming. Yeah, late, late okay. July we'll be there um, at Horizon Books in Traverse City um, around the time of the Film Fest while that's taking place. Um, you know, so, you know, it's just sort of a good sort of, a lot of people come in from around the country and even world for that event. So, so there might, are you thinking, oh, this might be a chance where the sure. Well, I'm always thinking that even if I'm, you know, walking down the street thinking, oh, that guy, there might be a producer, you know, it, <laughs> in you know, Ann Arbor or right, when right, you're sure, in LA. Hey, are you um, a producer? Hey, are you? <laughs> yeah, so like go to line. Yeah. That's uh, how you got the black eye. Well, that's yeah, true. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. oh, no. It wasn't just the goat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, well, we've got the film festival coming up um, next week. Sure, next week. Yeah. So there yeah, will be lots of film yeah. people. Sure. Like, uh, yeah, maybe we should bring our postcards and say, hey. If you like movies, you'll like books. Hey, too. you're a film director? Yeah, you're a film director. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although they make, you know, for, for that festival, it's avant-garde art, experimental stuff. So that would be an interesting interpretation of this story, this, <laughs> the art film version. You mean it could get weirder? Is that what yeah, you're saying? Yeah, it, <laughs> it could definitely get weirder. Lori, um, <laughs> what's your favorite part? Like, what, what's part of, one of the weirdest, uh, maybe I won't say favorite, but what's one of the weirdest? We've heard about the goat. Right? <laughs> well, that one particularly is, is very, very funny. I don't know. It, the whole book is just so visual to me. I mean, I was cracking up all the time, so I can't even really pick anything specific. It's just like... So it read like this cinematically. Right, right, because yeah. it was just so visual. You could feel like you were there, and that was the thing I liked about it, and that's pretty much, don't you think, John, why we decided this book has got oh, to yeah. get going? When, when we got know? the first draft and we're reading through it, and th- it never slowed down. There's never no. like a, a dud chapter, like... So, so you're just eager to, well, to keep reading. That's it? how the actual trip felt, too. So <laughs> it makes that consistent. You got that $10? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, you know, and, um, you know, part of it was just so, um, 
it was such a, an amazing one of those experiences of life that just kind of get imprinted in your brain while you're even while you're in the moment you're like wow this is like this is real life there's no way it just doesn't seem possible that my life is this in this moment um it's almost so, more like being alive in those moments sure, isn't it yeah, even though right. it has that unreal quality oh, it, you feel like oh yeah so you know alive. so being on the right from the memory of the experience was so easy because these things were just you know there waiting to come out and so um, you yeah. saw the images in your memory right yeah as you were right. and since i started writing it so early on which probably was a, a saving grace that i was able to yeah. pour so much of it out rather than kind of scraping for you know what happened here and what you know i did have a, a note a journal that i had kept but it was very sparse there wasn't much to like pull from that and even though it's ukraine um i'm saying even though it's ukraine but it's a universal message just just the idea of taking a chance and just going for it and, and seeing what happens it's yeah. it's it has that kind of universal appeal. Sure. It, so it could be anywhere else in the world, you know. It's, um, it did, that's it reminds me of Davy Rothbart's uh, quote, friend of the show. He um, he said that if you've ever, let's see, what does he say? If you've if you've ever done something crazy in the name of love, R.J. Fox's adventures in Ukraine will strike a chord. This book is a delight. Right. Yeah, we were so grateful that Davy gave us that blurb there because. He's so great. So we didn't have to pin him down or hurt him no. or anything, <laughs> <laughs> or tickle him. Right. 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 <laughs> um, yeah. So the universal appeal of you know traveling. I've had so many people say, "Oh yeah, this reminded me when I went to this place or that place, even places here in the states." You know, th- things oh, that they've right. experienced. Um, right. And then the humor level, the aspect to me was, if the humor didn't um, work, then the book wouldn't work because that was always my main sort of. And I'm, again, I mentioned like David Sedaris was like my inspiration for for writing this. Not that I'm anywhere close to his level of greatness, but um, but definitely just his sort of tongue-in-cheek approach to life and you know, and also adding in that sort of bittersweet um, tone to it on top of the humor right. or beneath the humor. The humor just goes right throughout it on the um, And you were mentioning how people are connecting to this, like, like saying it reminds them of their travel story. Mm-hmm. This seems to connect really deeply to part of the mission, right, where you're talking about fish out of water mm-hmm. for right. the whole series. So right, right. right. Um, mostly, I think, for us, when we were deciding on a name for the for the publishing company, um, oh, we right. found we I were have asked that. always <laughs> kind of drawn to these books that were somebody in a situation where they didn't feel quite comfortable, but they had to make it work. And those were always my favorite kind of books to read. Any any books that had anybody thrown into a situation that they weren't really prepared for but they had to figure out how to do it well it's both comedy and survival all in one (laughs) exactly you know i mean it you know um that's not necessarily from traveling abroad or it Mm -hmm. could be within your own neighborhood context right Mm -hmm. yep um yeah i mean it's just it's just lots of things growing up you know thinking about you know, the movies from the 80s that are so popular, you know, Pretty in Pink, yeah, yeah, all those. You just want to see Pretty in Pink. John Appetow movies, you know, where his Mm -hmm. stories are always about underdogs and misfits, you know, freaks and geeks who, Mm -hmm. you know, find their own niche and um, triumph in the end, usually, sometimes. (laughs) Yep. So, I mean, that's the kind of thing we're looking for. It It doesn't necessarily have to be a book about traveling, but it could be something that happened in your own neighborhood, something, you know, you're a little bit weirder than your neighbors. Like I have a friend who grew up in Detroit and she drives her car around with her Pearl Jam and Nine Inch Nails stickers on her car. Why wouldn't you? And I know, <laughs> I know. But some people would stop her and go, why are you listening to that? And she's like, because I like it. Right. 
you know, and, um, you know, just people that have had to always feel like they were just out of it mm-hmm. somehow. Which is really know? pretty much every person, too. In some really ways. pretty you know, much, yeah. always, right. Everybody right. goes through something right. like that sometimes. Well, that, that's kind of on our mm-hmm. website. We say that. We're all Definitely. fish out of water. Right. Yeah, we extent. all are. And some people embrace it, and some people try to escape from it, but we always feel, there's always times where you feel that you're not in your element, and it's all about how you choose to embrace it or run away from it or whatever way you go about it. Yep. Let's take a short break, and we'll come back, and we'll, we'll pick up there. there. I think there's more to say about mm-hmm. fish-out-of-water books. Um, today on the program, Love and Vodka, My Surreal Adventures in Ukraine with R.J. Fox, John and Lori Wilson, and Davey M.T. Hetzel. You've got Living Writers. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You've got Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel. Today on the program, R.J. Fox is here with his book, Love and Vodka, My Surreal Adventures in Ukraine. John and Lori Wilson of Fish Out of Water Books, his publishers, they're also here in the studio, as is Davey Wilson, um, who has a future in radio, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, thanks so much everyone for being on the program today really thank appreciate you, you coming really by the studio yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back anytime you're always welcome now you know where right. we are yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, we're not we're not gonna leave what's for dinner <laughs> <laughs> sometimes there is food <laughs> sometimes sometimes but sometimes you better be careful if it's been there a little bit too long or so don't, don't yeah, always trust everything in the fridge <laughs> <laughs> Um, but when we before right before the break, we were talking a bit about the press and and some of um, uh, if people wanted to send a manuscript to you guys, do you have are you accepting these true stories of um, yes, yes. the people? So basically, that's that's the frame for framework. It doesn't have to be in an exotic locale or Not or somewhere different. It's just some of the fish out of water being sort of out of your element, mm-hmm. right? Um, right, and we and true and true, right. Um, so if you go to our website, the website is fowbooks.com. We have the, the call for manuscripts up there and just an outline of what we're about. And just just different ideas for the types of books we're looking for. But we also, you know, we'll be very happy to be completely surprised and go, whoa, we never thought of that one. That's that's really good. So we're, we're open to, to all suggestions. And you have the 
FOW shorts. Yes, um, could you t- right. tell us right. the, tell tell everyone a bit about that the short stories on the, that will be featured on the website. Right. So we're, we're going to publish maybe two or three, hopefully per month. But w- well, we don't specify. We'll, we'll, they'll arrive when they arrive. But um, somewhere between five hundred and three thousand words short stories uh, along those same lines, along the same themes. But if somebody doesn't have a whole book or doesn't want to write a whole book, you know, we're, we're still happy to take a short story. Um, we're really excited um, with the fact we've got one from Violin Monster. So he, that's going to be one of our first yeah. ones. Yeah. Yes. So now so he have his own beer, but he now has his own. Yeah, he has right, his own right. beer. Yeah. He has his own beer. Who made his uh, beer? Wolverine or ABC? Oh, yeah. ABC. Yeah, yeah that makes uh, sense. Because he was at their birthday party, right? Oh, okay. like yeah. yeah, it's got on their label. It's got his image on there. And mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And I just read on Facebook, he posted his, don- he was he tried out for America's Got Talent yeah, this week. Yeah, I saw that. Really? So he might be on national TV. I don't oh know. <laughs> but um, yeah, he's he's That's written great. a really really cool short story. Yeah. So we're going to be publishing that one soon. So look out for that one. So the website is fowbooks.com. Yeah, <laughs> Radio <you>. voice. That's, <laughs> that's right. Those dulcet tones. That's, that's the voice I, I use when I that. teach. <laughs> <laughs> the voice of authority. With, with an English accent? <laughs> with, no, without yeah. the accent. When they're very <laughs> naughty. Watched one that I tried mm. to pull up from him. Well, oh. and there's also some events coming up, right? That we should sure. uh, let's let right, so yeah. there's there's some local ones in yep. Carytown. Yeah, yep, well, April 21st at Bookbound, um, off Plymouth Road and here in town. Um, it's gonna be a signing and reading, at 7 p.m. I believe, right? Maybe some uh, vodka. Maybe some vodka. <laughs> yeah. um, in June, we have the Ann Arbor Book Fest, where I'll be participating in the um, book crawl, where you go from site to site, hearing different readers read or write, writers read their work, and I'll be one of the writers. Um, and then in um, the fall, in September, the Carytown Book Fest selected me to be the writer in residence. So what does that entail? So what, what it is, um, they'll be RJ. receiving um, manuscripts from, from writers who want to get feedback. And then uh, my job is to take a look at around 20 pages of what they, you know, the first 20 pages of the work, and then have a one-on-one session with them to give them feedback and, you know, some pointers and so on for my, using my background. So um, Wow, how so many people do you think... Um, that will people submit? I'm not sure, to be honest. Um, that's a good question. I, I, I'm really excited. I'm very honored because, you know, I was excited to have maybe a booth set up this year, but the, to be this writer in residence. I think my teaching background, you know, being a teacher at Huron, um, definitely helped from the teaching aspect and the whole writing teacher side of me. So, you know, sometimes my two hats, my writer hat and teacher hat, sort of match up together, which is always great. Um, and then in the fall, we're looking at doing an event with the Ann Arbor Distilling Company. Um, we're kind of in you know, had a meeting with them and we're planning, we haven't really worked out specifics. We want to do some kind of unique event, hopefully with music and more of a party atmosphere. They're a great new business in town and, you know, kind of seem like a a good tie-in, you know, with they they distill vodka and I write about vodka, so. Right. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you can't get more perfect than that then. (laughs) So, yeah, so, you know, we're always like, we we attended the Vodka Vodka event um, in in, um, Royal Oak. It's a big vodka tasting party. Um, so, you know, we're always looking for kind of unique ways to, to, to get the book out there and just to meet people. Um, that, like we talked about, is what the best part of it is just the meeting of people we nev- never would meet otherwise and the networking and so on. And what, it, what is it like when you're, so you're, you're there at these different events and, the, and you're doing, you, you give the reading and you're sort of telling and letting people in on, I don't know, like a part of your life, right? Yeah. So what's, what, what has the f- experience been like for you? Oh, okay. it's been, it's been so much fun. I mean, just being able to read these passages and hearing, you know, people laughing and responding and asking, you know, the Q and A at the end is always fun just to hear the questions people ask. Um, so it's definitely, uh, 
Have there been any questions that have like caught you off guard? Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, I feel like there's been a couple where I've had to kind of take a step back and think for a second, but nothing that was like, like really, you just asked me that question? Like, they've all been very, you know, either write questions about writing. Um, you know, one of the questions is always, you know, what are you, what are you working on next? Um, you know, what are could... you working on next, RJ? Oh, perfect segue. Um, well, I just finished a, a fictional work, a novel set in Detroit, very kind of dark and gritty story that would be complete opposite of this um, in terms of, A, it's fiction, and B, it's, you know, just a very dark story compared to the humor, you know, light tone of this book. Um, so that's a book I just completed and trying to get out. I have a bunch of essays I've written that are about, it's a collection I'm putting together called Tales from the Dork Side, um, about being kind of a bullied kid. And, but so D-O-R-K. Yeah, dork side, not dark yeah. side. Um, and they're, they're stories that are funny, but also kind of, you know, they're about being teased and bullied and being different, being kind of a... And the, there'll be a good sample on one of the FOW shorts, yeah. right? It's going to be one, yeah, we're yeah, going to publish that. Yeah, I'm excited for that. So, um, story called Tree Hugger. Several short tree yeah, hugger. Tree about hugger. being tied to a tree by my by my bullies and left there for a few hours. Um, always yeah, fun. for real. Yeah, for no, real. No, no. Um, so where it would be where did you grow up? Because you said Metro, oh, I grew did up, up in, but where? In Dearborn. Yeah, in Dearborn. In Dearborn. Okay. Okay. Because um, that would have yeah. been crazy if it was in Ann Arbor, like the tree town, and no, then you're tied to the tree. That would be great irony. And then I have a bunch of short fictional stories that I have under the banner of the other side of sadness and they're all about sort of domestic you know issues in suburbia and and fa- you know the behind what's going on behind the white picket fence of, of families some of the stories are more humorous some are more sad and some are in between so so and then i have you know tons of ideas for down the road and pieces written here and there so but, and what about the the screenplays so for your, your vision the film visions like what are sure. you sure well uh, i mean the i have two scripts that were optioned a few years back and both are now books um the other the Detroit book was also a screenplay. Oh, okay. So, um, and so then, this might be your method then. I mean, maybe, I mean I've, I've, I've written over a dozen scripts, so I f- and I've, some of them I feel like wouldn't necessarily make for good books, but I feel like a few would, yeah, I could turn it into a book. So I think, but then I have other ideas for, for material that I've never written before that it would be, you know, starting from scratch, which it feels like it's been a while since I've written something like completely, except for my short stories. I mean, those are, they're short pieces, but at least I'm starting kind of at ground zero. Um, so yeah, so it's just been just a dream come true in so many ways the last few months. Thanks well, it's a guys. dream come true having you guys finally here on Living Writers with me. I can't you. tell you, you how so glad much. I am Thank to you meet much. you and to finally get to talk with you guys. Thank and you. congratulations, RJ, so RJ Fox uh, on the book. And, and con- congratulations to, to you guys, John you. and Lori, uh, for the Thank press. You. And how exciting, because... Um, well, writers, we need <laughs> we need you guys so very badly. <laughs> so thanks for being um, on the planet. We're looking and, forward yeah. to and, and 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 having the dream. <laughs> like this is it's a dream, and you're making it it's, happen. It's like very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Should we do the toast then? Sure. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, normally we we toast um, with vodka at, at the bookstores, but um, here we go. What we normally say is um, it's to your health in Ukrainian. My, the only Ukrainian I know is Zavashe Zadrovie. The first ever shot of <laughs> vitamin water. Yes, yay. <laughs> Not a sponsor. Bottoms up. Cheers. <laughs> Great. That's a perfect segue for our final song, right? Which is. That was strong vitamin water. Whoa. Ooh, yeah. Now we've got some, we, That's stronger maybe, than the vodka. Maybe we should do this at the beginning Ooh. of every living writer's. There you go. It's you funny how I tried to, to wake actually, him up. Do, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was yeah. like, wait, I don't have to do the whole right. Yeah. Right. A vitamin water <laughs> shot here. Okay. Well, this has been... Thank you, guys. This has been so fun. Come back anytime. Yeah, thank you um, very much. And the song that we're going out on. John, would you like to tell us... Uh, wait, would, 
When yeah, this it's, it's um, Gogol Bordello, and the uh, song is called Start Wearing Purple. Eugene mm. Hutz is from Ukraine. Right. Um, and he was in the film Everything is Illuminated, which was set in Ukraine, which, uh, you know, he hasn't really acted beyond that. Um, I know, I'm so surprised. Yeah, he was so good in it. We just watched it again a couple of nights ago. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic. In fact, he fantastic was excellent. They're going to be at the Royal Oak Music Theatre. Yeah, we're going to go. We're talking about going. Oh, that's great. They're a great band to see live, um, for sure. WCBN might even have some ticket giveaways on that. Oh. Not sure. Okay. <laughs> but stay tuned, everybody. Oh, right. Or you yeah. guys call in. Well, yeah. we're getting <laughs> our tickets before. Well, they're, they're great at winning tickets before. Yeah, we're pretty good at it. Well, um, everyone, I guess I'll say thanks again, and thanks to everyone out there for listening to Living Writers today. Um, on the program, R.J. Fox, his book, Love and Vodka, My Surreal Adventures in Ukraine, and John and Lori Wilson from Fish Out of Water Books, and Davey, too. Um, thanks again to Reverend Andrew for engineering. Thank I'm you, T. Andrew. Hetzel. Thanks, Rev. <laughs> Until next time. That's great. <laughs> Start wearing purple, wearing purple Start wearing purple for me now All your sanity and wits, they will all vanish, I promise It's just a matter of time, so yeah Start wearing the purple, wearing the purple You when you were at 20 And I was 20 But thought that so years from now A purple little, little lady Will be perfect For dirty old and useless clowns So yeah
the team, the team, the team. And with that, hello and welcome to today's episode of the Daily Sports Report here on 88.3 WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. My name is Morris Fabri. I'll be your host on today's show. On the other side of the glass, I have with me Jeff Chan and Jeremy Parks. How are you guys doing today? It's a beautiful day outside, Mo. But how are you doing in this beautiful day, Jeremy? Well, I was doing great. I hadn't heard Brett Graham yell, oh my God, in a really long time. That, uh, that made my day, actually. Yeah, I'd say that intro's gone a little out of fashion. Bring, bringing it back, because we're going to be talking some Michigan basketball today. How you doing, Jeff? I'm doing all right. I mean, it's a great day. Just all right <laughs> on this beautiful just, day? Just, uh, not, not. If if you know Will Yang, you'll under, you could understand. <laughs> Does he hate nice weather or something? No, it's just him. Yeah. <laughs> all right, we, 